2: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. The
3: John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. John Anik and Kenny Florian. I love them. I can't get enough of them.
2: Let's hear that Boston next.
1: Big job there from Duffy and
3: There are a couple of absolutely self-involved bull**** artists. Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian.
0: Oh, is it great to be with you. Great to be with you, as always. Monday, September 12th, 2022, it is episode 365 of the Anik and Florian podcast, presented today in podcast. By UFC Fight Pass, see the best UFC Fight Pass has to offer on the UFC Fight Pass 24-7 stream. Offering a constant channel of historic fight action all day, all night. Tune in, sit back, and enjoy a network created by fans for fans. Step into our world, UFCFightPass.com. Kenny Florian, great to see Looking pretty good on a Monday morning, my man. What's good? <laughs>
1: I got my workout in. Uh, I'm feeling a little better, a little less fat, which is good. nice. And Always uh, good to get it in caffeinated, before caffeinated I got my coffee with me. I'm, I'm oh, it's roll. great. Yeah, yeah, different energy when you get
0: it in, get the endorphins going before the yeah. show. What do the workout consists of today? Any, any Brazilian jiu jitsu in your home gym or no?
1: No, no. Uh, probably a little later. Gonna do a little jiu jitsu with, with my daughter. She asked to do jiu jitsu, so when she asks, I, I you know I gotta I gotta teach her some jiu jitsu. But uh, I did a little strength conditioning, man. You know, trying to That's trying good. to keep my back healthy, trying yeah. to, trying to get a little stronger, get in shape over here. So it's really yeah.
0: the way to go. I mean, I can I mean, run all day, but the strength and conditioning stuff is so much more beneficial for me and so much uh, harder. Yeah to do. So uh, I got a reality coming up on Wednesday here, um, but a lot to get to today. Uh, guest heavy. We will be recapping UFC 279 Longo coming up in about 15 minutes. We will also talk to the coach, Dean Thomas, uh, former Ken Flo victim later in the program uh, and TSN MMA reporter. I can't help myself, Kenny. I can't help <laughs> myself. You know, Joe Lozon doesn't listen to this show. Has never brought up this podcast with me, nor has Clay Guida. Right. Were they too? I'd have to really change things up. But we'll have fun with Dean Thomas. We'll also talk to uh, TSN MMA reporter Aaron Bronstetter. Um, Elias Theodoro has passed away at the age of 34, and I know you crossed his wake a few times uh, on social media um, in your great hair club and everything else, but we're all sort of digesting this news, and a lot of us woke up to this news on Monday. Um, Just such a genuine dude, man. I mean, I really, truly think if you – comb the mma landscape you wouldn't be able to find anyone who had a bad word to say about elias theodoro and uh you know obviously we had the chance to call some of his fights i was in the octagon with him when he won the ultimate fighter and um man just stunning uh stage four liver cancer seemingly kept it to uh those close to him and uh the mma world is sort of reeling uh in the wake of his loss
1: Elias was, was one of those guys I, I didn't know so well. I had interacted with him a few times, always was a gentleman, very classy individual, a guy who truly did things his way. Um, and you know, I thought always thought he was a very smart fighter. Um, and yeah, it's just it's just really sad, man. You know, sometimes you really don't know what people are dealing with. Um, and, and something as extreme as liver cancer for Pete's sake. Um, you know, my heart goes out to to his friends and family. Um just an awful situation. You know, anytime you see someone at a young age, um, pass away, it's just, it's very tragic. It's very sad. Um, and, uh, just very surprising. Our hearts go out to, uh, Elias Theodoro's parents, his brother,
0: whom I know he was very close with. And, uh, perhaps Aaron Braunstetter later can, uh, shed some more light on that. He finishes 19 and three as an MMA pro and, and off a win, I believe over Brian Baker. Um, Big loss for the MMA community uh, here on a Monday morning. Uh, But let us get into UFC 279 and uh, everything that was this pay-per-view event. So I'll give a little bit of an insight into what this fight week entailed and what my Friday entailed because I think some people find that interesting. So I have to acknowledge our editors uh, and our producers on the UFC side because as exciting as this was, you know, and I got a call from Joe Rogan as I'm emceeing the morning weigh-in. That this is what they were gonna to try to do because of the Hamza have weight miss and everything else. They were gonna to try to make these three new fights. And my excitement quickly went to, oh my gosh, I'm gonna to have to revoice everything from like the weigh-in introduction that precedes Joe Rogan when he takes the stage to, you know, well, we had the Macy Shass on Rene Aldana fight had to be completely reworked because it was a catch weight. And then we obviously had to revoice some of these fights and uh the billboards that you hear, you know. So I immediately went from enthusiasm to like, wow, my Friday just uh, just <laughs> added some hours. But um, just an insane lead up to a pay-per-view. We've had a lot of circumstances, obviously, at UFC 200 when Daniel Cormier ends up fighting Anderson Silva and Amanda Nunes and Misha Tate, I believe, are elevated into the main event. You know, Khabib and Tony circumstances, UFC 209. There, there were a lot of main event circumstances for a, a stretch there where it got really weird. But, Kenny, I don't know that you can ever remember anything like we had here uh, leading into UFC 279.
1: No, not at all. You know, it, it, it's funny. And I'd like to hear your thoughts on this, right? Because maybe you could put any of the controversies to bed. But, you know, people are, are, are saying, hey, well, this just seems way too perfect. Was this planned? Was this something that the UFC wanted all along? Right. You know, g- given you know, the, the Hamzat injury potentially and, and, you know, the weight miss and all that. So what would you what would you say to those? To well, those it's people? too that's something I'm getting along.
0: No, and I think it's fair for you to probe me in that way. I think it's almost too perfect to have laid out that way. And I can tell you, you know, our producer, Zach Candido, conference me in with Hunter Campbell, uh, one of our chief executives on Friday, so he could sort of give me some insight as to what Hamzat Chimaev went through. You know, Hamzat was pissed and devastated when they made him stop cutting. That's yeah. what was told to me. But it was a medical decision. So ultimately, he was contracted to make 171 pounds. Medically, he couldn't finish the weight cut. That is on him. And I didn't hear what Andreas Michael had to say after the fact. It seemed like maybe he and Mike Dolce got into it. Um, but the, the Chimaev camp and specifically the fighter are absolutely going to have to own this. But She might have did come in lighter. You know, he is still the hardest worker in the room. You know, discipline doesn't seem to be a problem. Um, Making 170 pounds the way he's trying to do it seems to be the problem. So I don't know if nutritionally he's not getting ahead of it. I don't know what the issue is. Certainly, you know, for people who want to speculate, oh, the pay-per-view wasn't doing well. These are more competitive matchups. And the pay-per-view probably got a boost of 100,000 buys or 50,000 buys. Pure speculation on my part. You know, I just don't think there's any truth to it. Did they add those two fights three weeks ago to try to protect themselves from a possible scenario like this? Well, certainly when you have Nate Diaz, he can be a variable, but he was just absolutely awesome all week. And I guess Kamzat Shimaev in terms of the weight and the Abu Dhabi situation, he can be a variable as well. So perhaps the matchmaking team and the executives had good foresight to add those fights to the card. Um, But I do think those are kind of conspiracy theories. And I can understand... Yeah. Given the layout, why they took on legs,
2: and, and
1: again, just because uh, you know, I'm familiar with the process, I'm not in the process, but I'm familiar with the process, it is a massive burden on the editors and the people that have to put this all together after they've, they've already cut the interviews. You know, again, it was supposed to be Hams out against Nate Diaz, and you'll notice. Yeah you know, to lead into the fight, they're not necessarily talking about each other, right? Sure. So there's, there's so many things they have to redo and re-edit and all that stuff. So I don't think it's a burden that the UFC would put on anybody yeah. just to make certain fights that they wanted. So yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I'm just, uh, it's just funny how many people ask me that question. Yeah, of course. Yeah.
0: And I'll also tell you, you know, I'm sitting on the TV set getting ready to film UFC live at 2.30 p.m. Pacific, live, right? And we ended up canceling the show. Because we didn't have the news. I mean, we had the news, but we couldn't go with the news, right? And then Dana White made the announcement on SportsCenter thereafter. But it went very close up until Dana's announcement, right, to get finalized. Hunter told me at one point all six fighters, you know, said no. And I think, obviously, from a negotiating standpoint, you would expect them to. But obviously, yeah. everyone at one point in time was, uh, was looking for something. And all the athletes deserve credit. And we're going to get into all of that. Certainly, Lee Jing Leong and Kevin Holland, right? Training for Daniel Rodriguez. You know, don't you think Kevin Holland, as good as Hamza Chimaev is, would have liked to have had the chance to train for that man, maybe? Um, It's a complete
1: 180
0: as far as that. Yeah, it really really is. Um, But let us start with Nathan fucking Diaz, man. I mean, what else can you say? Obviously. The pendulum swung to this Ferguson fight, a much more favorable matchup for Nate, especially at this stage of his career. Um, And he's able to get the finish and at least leave the UFC for now for however long on the highest note possible.
1: Yeah, listen, I I thought it was a perfect scenario or as perfect a scenario for Nate Diaz as could be. Now, same thing for him, right? He was preparing for a completely different guy than Tony Ferguson. Um, I thought the fight. There were certainly sloppy moments, right? I, I think Nate Diaz, and he talked about it, that he focused primarily on wrestling and jujitsu uh, in preparation for Hamza Chimayev, which I think was a smart choice. Um, so perhaps the striking didn't look as sharp as you typically see it, but... Um, still got it done, and you know I said it before when we were breaking down this fight, Nate Diaz being used to taking punches and giving punches at 170 pounds was going to be the difference, and you could see it. When he was hitting Tony Ferguson, Tony Ferguson just did not like it. You could see the effect on his face, whether it was cuts or bruising under the eyes, um, him turning around at certain times, and I know he was kind of looking for that back fist, but Nate Diaz doesn't have to throw a whole lot. It doesn't look like he's throwing hard. But, man, this guy knows how to throw punches. Yeah. He was putting it together. And I also thought he had a significant advantage on the ground. Nate Diaz is just so clean with his jiu Yeah, um, He's one of the smartest guys. When it comes to countering a double leg takedown, his guillotine is absolutely legendary. Uh, that highable guillotine... Uh, was in full effect. Uh, he hit that in about a half a second when Tony Ferguson went for that takedown, which I think was a uh, a tactical error, a strategic error uh, on the part of Tony and his team. Um, but uh, anyways, I, I thought it was also really impressive how he was taking and eating those leg kicks and somehow continues yeah. to go forward and act like he's unaffected by it. It's unbelievable because it was clearly, you know, those are painful things to take, painful strikes to take. Uh, and uh, again, there were times you know he's leaning on the fence, but it's all play. He, you see that? Oh, is he breathing hard? And then he's not. You know, it's he is one of the toughest human beings alive. You, it's unbelievable. So great to see Nate Diaz go out in style with a submission over another legend in Tony Ferguson. Uh, the toughness, right?
0: Like he's not even limping around. I'm seeing video later in the night. I mean, his leg was mangled. So all credit to Nate Diaz. I want to get into the submission. Obviously, the the message came from the corner. Kenny Johnson, I believe it was in the corner calling for the yeah. takedown of Tony Ferguson and probably a wayward decision. And and certainly uh, there's a lot that goes into the submission. Henner Gracie did a pretty good breakdown of this. You know, he also talked about when Nate Diaz submitted Conor McGregor with the rear naked choke. It was actually a guillotine at first that Conor defended well before the rear naked choke. So uh, in this era where we talk so much about submission offense being a lost star, what can you tell us about the fight ending sequence?
1: Old school fighters, man, I, I I love it. I you know, you, he fights to finish. Okay, he doesn't always have the best performances, but he doesn't care if you're winning a round, if you're trying to score points, which really don't exist in MMA. You're not scoring a point with takedowns. You're not scoring points with a jab or with a cross. Right. You're, it's it's about damage and effectiveness of your technique in the grappling or striking realm, okay? So he is looking to finish you. That's why he put so much emphasis in that fight against Leon Edwards. He's like, yeah, you were winning. You were, you know, winning the fight, but I almost knocked you out. I was closest to finishing the fight. Right. And it's that old school mentality of a martial artist who's not looking to win a round. He's looking to finish you. Mm-hmm. And that's what Nate Diaz and Nick Diaz have been about. It's why they're so beloved. Um, And whether it's on the ground or on the feet, he's not looking to score points. He's looking to take you out. That's what defines who wins a fight at the end of the day. It's not some judge, uh, you know, saying you did better in these rounds against. No, it's if you get the other guy to give up or if you put him to sleep, That's what indicates you were the better fighter that night at the end of the day. There is no dispute. You take the judges, the referees out of the equation. So I, I think it was a tremendous performance, a beautiful finish to that guillotine.
0: Cody, is it too much to ask for you to put in the chat that entire Ferasa hobby quote about there not being a better street fighter in MMA? I also will say about the Diaz brothers, you know, their show money is some of the best in mixed martial arts, and I don't think they necessarily (laughs) need to worry about winning by decision because they're getting the full paycheck. Um, but yes, I think you're absolutely right. Now, when you hear an MMA commentator say, you know, scoring points, right, it is a relative term. I try to stay away from it, but there are times when I say it, um, but I do believe when it is used at times, it is relatively just like, yeah, you know, scoring points in the mind of the judges in right. this round. But obviously, sure. you know, you're right. I mean, and he absolutely fights to finish. And in terms of the relative success of Nate Diaz's career, and this win certainly is a big feather in his cap, and uh, we will get to the Ferguson side as well. But Nate Diaz sort of quantifying his UFC career as the most successful one. And in a lot of respects, I would agree with him. Here's the quote from Farah Sahabi. If you put him in a fight where there is no time limit, I think he beats 99% of fighters. You can't sub him. You can't finish him. The guy doesn't stop walking forward. He puts volume on you. He is the scariest, in my opinion, street fighter in MMA. Uh, And the front end end of the quote is, uh, I think if you had to fight him in the street, man, you're in a fight for your life and ain't going to be no judges standing you up between rounds. No judge to come and give you the win. This guy ain't going away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's tremendous. Tremendous. A lot of respect for Nate Diaz. Um, what the fuck was I just talking about before I went off to that quote? I don't even know. I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't even know. Um, we'll get back to Nate in a second. Oh, yeah. Relative yeah. success of his career. Oh, right, right. So I think you can argue that his career is as successful as any non-champion, certainly in UFC history. But like, what are we looking to do? These are prize fighters, right? So he's probably made as much money. Certainly he's made more money than any non-champion, I would think. He is entering free agency as the consensus biggest superstar in the game with Conor McGregor on the mend right now. It is so difficult to attain free agent status as a superstar in combat sports on his level. He has 16 UFC wins. You know, you're right there with him, but 10 career wins by submission. Uh, He did fight for the championship in 2012. Uh, You know. I don't know how you quantify it, but to me, Kenny, this is one of the more successful UFC careers that we've ever seen. And three or four years ago, even with the McGregor series in the can, I'm not sure I necessarily thought about it in that light.
1: Yeah, listen, I, I would say this. Um, I, that It's debatable. It, does he have one of the best careers? I don't know. How are we judging it? But I'll tell you what's impressive about it is the fact that here's a guy who's been fighting for many, many years, okay? I I would say he's a part of my generation for sure, and here he is still fighting the best guys, okay, all the way throughout his career. He's done that. Um, And and sure, he's had losses and this and that, but when you talk about guys that he's faced, these are elite fighters, um, and he largely did it with a style that, again, is about finishing fights. Um, He didn't have the most amount of weapons, But boy, his toughness has shined through regardless of winning or losing. He's a guy that was always trying to fight to the very end, was looking for a finish, has been in countless entertaining fights. The consistency, the longevity of his career, you simply do not see that, especially given the fact that he's, you know, you look at his style. Yeah. He's a warrior. He fights to, to see who bleeds more. He yeah. fights to see who's tougher. He fights to see who's more durable. And the fact that he's done this at this stage of the game, with what o- only one knockout was Josh Thompson the only guy? Well, Masvidal, out? Uh, you know, Masvidal TKO, stoppage, okay. but right. right, yeah. So, I'm, but very few guys, and it's just, it's it's very very impressive to see him have that kind of a career for so long, and the fact that he was able to make a lot of money a little bit later in his career is so well-deserved. I mean, out of all the guys, he has uh, suffered a lot, uh, both in training and in performances, and to finally see him get his due over the last you know, several years, I guess, uh, since Conor McGregor um, it is awesome to see. He absolutely deserves that and, and more, and I don't think he's done quite yet. I'd like to see him yeah. finish up soon, but uh, I think he has a, a couple more fights on his mind.
0: In my preparation for UFC 279, I came across a list on IMDB of the greatest 140 mixed martial arts fighters of all time. Now, I don't know who made this list or how they even quantify it, or if, you know, I think some of it's based upon uh, maybe being in public or whatever. Uh, Do we think Ken Flo was in that 140? Of course he was, because why would I bring up a list of 140 of the greatest MMA fighters of all time, if Kenny was not a part of it, that would have ended up on the cutting room floor. What number do you think was next to your name? Any idea? Uh 141. Uh, 140? No. Uh, no. <laughs> so obviously can you imagine the president of Team Florian me fucking scrolling this list like
3: <laughs> it's as gotta I get be to like seventy?
0: Right. As I get to 75, 80, and I'm like, oh man. Like, <laughs> but then we get to number 111, and there he is in all his glory the 111th greatest mixed martial arts fighter of all time. Kenny Florian.
1: Now I'm, I am bring tell it up. Kids, it was one, uh, you know, right. You somebody. should. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. And I, I bring it up in this context because there were a lot of fighters above you that skill for skill, uh, you could probably beat on your worst day. So, you know, I bring it up in that context, right? Thank because you, again, Nate Diaz, you know, if you look at, I mean, double digit UFC losses, I believe maybe not, but I think he does. Right. But, Dude, I mean, look at the career. Just absolutely incredible. And um, my 209 tattoo continues to age gracefully, by the way.
1: Absolutely, dude. And and I'll say this, you know, listen, if Nate Diaz wanted to go out there and pick the right fights and try to have this, you know, pristine record and take the guys that just. No, I mean, he, he got tough fights and he accepted a lot of those fights, whether it was the UFC, you know, kind of maybe forcing his hand or whether it was him calling out a certain fighter. Uh and, and again, you know, it's easy to to manage your career and get the right fights and do this and that. Again, the old school mentality of, of those guys, you fought whoever it was. You fought yeah. the best. You wanted to establish your legacy. You wanted to test yourself as a fighter, as a man, as a martial artist, and he absolutely did that.
0: Caesar Gracie Jiu-Jitsu, baby. Congratulations to uh to Nate Diaz. Ice Cream Crone had to enjoy that wherever he was watching. All right, so let us talk a little bit about Nate Diaz's future. He enters free agency. I'm not sure that uh, that any fighter has had this type of leverage before. Certainly, it stands to reason there could be the singular Jake Paul payday. He's going to fight Anderson Silva in late October on Showtime pay-per-view. And it seemed like Nate not only left the door open for a UFC return, but also laid the foundation for it in his post-fight interview uh, with Joe Rogan. I mean, certainly I think Nate maybe would like to box. Um, I just don't know with his real fight Inc, right? Let's say that he wants to headline real fight Inc one. Who's he fighting? What's the undercard look like? There's so much infrastructurally that needs to be done to pull off a show promotionally. Um, I know it's sort of a long-winded setup, but what do you think we see from Nate Diaz
1: next? Gosh, it's it's going to be interesting. I I think that you know he kind of alluded to it with Conor McGregor and the fact that he know he started his own um, you know entertainment sports business. Um, I I wonder, I wonder if he's going to try to put together a boxing fight against Conor McGregor at certain point. But you know, definitely there's the Jake Paul fight. You know, I think in Nate Diaz's mind, he's like, hey, here's this guy who's talking shit who wants to fight, um, I can make tens of millions of dollars fighting this dude. And, you know, in Nate Diaz's mind, he's like, I'm going to squash this dude. I'm I'm going to kill him. Um, So I I think it'd be, you know, in his mind, an easy payday um, and one where he can kind of promote his business, get that business going, and then use that money to fund that and then put on everything from, it looks like, uh, jujitsu, to, um, you know, boxing, to kickboxing, to MMA fights, uh, uh, you know, under his under his uh, banner. So he's got a lot of good businessmen. You know, that's the thing. Nate Diaz has a lot of smart guys around him, uh, good management team that I think he will, um, you know, uh, delegate those duties to. But I'm curious to see what he does, man. I think he's very motivated to get the business side of things going. He already has millions of dollars. And now I think it's about doing something different and trying to get as many millions of dollars uh, as easily as possible, which he deserves. All right, let,
0: yeah. All right. Let us now welcome into the conversation, the star of the program, the great Ray Longo. Yo, to you, handsome.
4: <laughs> look at you, Kenny, looking a lot better than a couple of weeks ago. I'll tell you that.
1: <laughs> what do you mean? Uh,
4: what do you there, mean? There he goes. I look like a I mean, zombie. Ray, at least yeah.
0: tell our new listeners that he had COVID-20 a couple of weeks ago. If yeah, they're new COVID- listeners.
4: COVID, new listeners. Shot. Holy, do we have new listeners? This is great. I so I excited. New I mean, listeners. With, you,
0: with you promoting the show, with yeah. you promoting the show, how am I doing with that? You're doing okay. I mean, we miss Thank your you. Instagram handle.
4: I know. But what am do I doing? Can, some, can somebody help me with the fucking Instagram piece of shit? You still, that is. You still don't have oh, that. Oh, yeah. Fuck them. Oh, my God. Oh, fuck everybody at this gosh. point
1: we got to we got to get that back under control
0: Horrible. so we were just talking about Nate Diaz and the relative success of his career and this crazy UFC 279 fight week uh what were your thoughts on everything that transpired
4: uh uh look i think the the fights ended up being uh i think the matchups were definitely better i right. think um just the 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 Nate the Tony fight I took two great guys. I just I man, I would have liked to have seen that fight eight years ago. You know, kind of just when I was watching, it reminded me of uh, I used to watch the old timers. always watch old timers day with my dad, right, with baseball, tell me how good Dimaggio was yeah, and this guy. Right. And then you see the guy get up and he's trotting around the bases. And as a young, <laughs> as a young kid, right. I'm going, "What the fuck?" You're not even like I'm young, so I'm not making it like the guy. And the guy was probably 42 at the time. He right, wasn't even, right. I don't even think those old timers were that old at the, back then, yeah. but it just looked, uh, I was like, how could that guy have been good? You know what I mean? So I'm saying, I think somebody who tuned in to MMA for the first time that watched that fight. And again, two great guys. And I, I love, you know, I love Nate Diaz. I Any mean, guy comes out to give me shelter with the Rolling Stones. I mean, I'm, guy's the best, man. That's why the guy's got a lot of followers. He's just everything he does appeals to, to somebody. Right. Yeah. But it just looked, uh, you know, it's a last minute thing. Right. So everybody has to adjust all of them, had to adjust to different opponents. Uh, and, uh, just looked, uh, you know, like a little slow. I'm going to say, you know, Tony, Tony's running around. He's turning his back. They're screaming. Don't, they must've said, don't turn your back 50 times during the fight. There's yeah. a guy at the top of, you know, suppose, you know, that's what I'm saying. Like it's, I I just would have rather have seen the fight eight years ago. I think it would have been a great fight. But you could see like Nate really feels for Tony. That's what I love about what Nate too is like. He knows you know the guy was twelve and oh I think he feels for him. He's been around for a long time. I think he would do anything to see that guy make a good payday, which I hope he did. Uh, so that the 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 camaraderie part and that part of it was just absolutely fantastic. I just think that you know, there was a lot more behind the scenes going on, and I don't know, even you know, the guys, the corner telling him to take him down, he's beating up the guy's leg. I Nate's know! A, I mean, it's, it's like it's a, the whole thing was just weird to me, you know what I mean? And then I, I I'm assuming, Kenny, that the idea was take him down and Maybe try to land an elbow to cut him to end the fight.
1: Yeah, I, I was know, confused I by that as well. I, I I don't want I don't want to shit on anybody, but it's just no. like you know you're you're kicking the shit out of his legs. You're doing yeah. fine. You know right. why are you gonna try to double leg one of the best guillotine finishers in the UFC history? Yeah. Right, number one. And it's like I don't know. You what do you want to take down for? Be, because just because, like, what, yeah. what was he gonna do there? I don't know. But right, I right. No, I'm by that as yeah. well. The only, and, and, Ray, I want to ask you a question. Yeah. Do you think Tony was turning his back because he was, just kept looking for that spitting back fist, Or do you think there's a fundamental change in Tony and how he's taking punches during fights now?
4: No, I think Tony used to get away with all of this shit. Like, I think mm-hmm. that you're just seeing it slow down a little bit so it's more obvious, like, that it's not... You know, that's why I say like the basics just aren't there, right? So but the things he used to get away with, he doesn't get away with anymore. And that happens to everybody. It's not a it's not even a knock on him at all. It really isn't. Part of the fight. Yeah. It's just Father Time is undefeated. And you know, if you tuned in for the first time and I told you you're gonna see two of the greatest lightweights or welterweight I know they fought at seventy, but two of the greatest lightweights fight. You're looking at me like I'm out of my fucking mind after that fight. Like, what yeah. are you talking about? That's that's where whatever that means, that's where I'm coming from. But I right. absolutely love both guys. It's not even a, you know, Nate, you, I'm just happy for him because it looks like he's happy. He's getting out of his contract and, you know, he's doing the right thing, right? He didn't even burn any bridges. He's leaving the door open. He, Perfect. Was, he spoke very well. Uh, and that that's it. The guy's a good dude. And I, I, I'm sure everybody wants to see this kid succeed in whatever he's doing but uh as far as the fight it just it seemed i i, I think i takes the job just it was a little sad to me and I, I don't i don't like i don't that's like exactly that stuff so, yeah yeah you know what i mean because i'll tell you who they're never going to say that about khabib that's who they're never going to say it about because he got the fuck out on top he did the hardest thing possible he walked away on top that's hard you know what i mean nobody was going to abuse him to make money. Though,
0: tony has had a lot of things work against him in his ufc career i mean certainly the injury at fox but there have been a lot of things that have worked against him you know he ended up twice fighting for the ufc interim lightweight championship you know and if one of those is an undisputed title fight you know maybe yeah. his his bank account looks different and he doesn't i mean I, I think it stands to reason that the Lee Jing Leung matchup would have been particularly difficult for Tony Ferguson on this night, you know, uh, and potentially really damaging, you know? Um, I don't know. I guess I just, I look at his last two fights, right? right. And I'm also not in the business of retiring fighters, you know? So Dean Thomas right. to join us here in a little bit. And, you know, I think there it, it, it's okay for other fighters to, and coaches to to make that opinion. No, I guess for me, I, I'm leaning in a little bit to the positive of his performance against Michael Chandler early in that fight. All he did with the leg kicks in this fight. I just think there are guys, Kenny and Ray, in that top 25 that present a favorable matchup at lightweight for Tony Ferguson. And I would like to see him given the chance to at least go out
4: uh, on a high note or a win. Is that fair or no? 100% fair. 100% fair. But, you know, like, it just seems like we got this model now where guys, they... They fight their balls off for no money. And by the time they actually can make money, like that, those good years have passed them by. And I think it sucks. That's, that's, well,
0: it's that know. way in a lot of fields, though. Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, you I can see him a that, ton well, of no. announcers, right? No. Whose paydays are insane right now right. Uh, and their curveball, you know, 10 years ago. I mean, I can assure you, this play by play guy, God willing, if I live into my 70s, not going to see me on a microphone. I'm gonna let right. young guys step up. You know, I mean, these guys stick around for fucking ever. So it's not. All right, just, all right. Now I think. It.
4: Now I now I think you're taking a shot at me. <laughs> no, oh, no, not at all. Well, no, I mean, why ain't going nowhere? Just so you know, I don't give but a you shit. You haven't if- lost.
1: Anything you're, right. you're your producing, cha- you're, you know. I'm continuing to produce champions and high-level dudes. Yeah, not yeah, mention that. Teddy, I, like, I
4: might be projecting at this point, but I don't even <laughs> I don't care if I make a mistake, you can't get rid of me. When you care. stop
1: producing champions and high-level yeah, guys, yeah. Ray, we're gonna make yeah, that call. Yeah. Okay,
4: not, not, no, I I, I, th- I will definitely make that call, trust me. But yeah.
0: <laughs> but the UFC's undisputed bantamweight champion still uses you to hold pads for him. Now, maybe that'll change in the years to come, but in terms of you're mental, and you in the corner. You're sharp yeah, as a yeah. fucking tap. Yeah, You're sharp no, no, a, no, sharper, sharper no, than no. you've ever been. Just no, don't no, ask no, him no, to no, hold. You.
1: Just don't ask him to hold pads for some dude off the street, okay? We don't. <laughs> or
0: or five hundred <laughs> Ultimate Fighter. Yeah, exactly we're
1: not going back. We're not going back to that. But uh, yeah, I mean, luckily
4: for me, <laughs> I mean, if you if your mind is the last thing to go, well, I should be, I should be fine. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Did you yeah, uh, I'm
0: just, mental? I think you did. Yeah.
4: Yeah. Well, no, no. So far I said, I don't, you never know when I could switch. Right. No. Um, right. trust me, no matter, you know, uh, how much I had to concentrate on just knowing that the podcast was 11 this morning, but right. But then again, we change it every week. So maybe I'm not that bad. I don't know, man. you're gonna write us about <laughs> that again, you know?
0: Well, if you'd like to, no, uh, on. If no, you'd but- like to have a c- consistent time slot, you just let the uh, let, let the brass know, and uh, know. we can build the show around the star. Because believe I it or not, it. we actually do build the show around you. <laughs> we actually reach out to you first, right. and once you say 11 a.m. is okay, then we build the rest of the show around you. Oh so, man! Um, but though, hey, all right. Yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. But no, but you.
4: anyway, I love Fucking both you. of those. I love both of those guys. I really do, and they deserve everything. I'm I'm happy. For the way they both conducted themselves, I'm happy about uh, that they made money and that they're going to, you know, Nate looks like he's going to continue to do really well. And that's it. That's it for me. But as far as, uh, you know, the fight, I just thought it was, uh, I would have rather have seen it eight years ago. Yeah.
0: So um, with respect to Steve Lee, friend of the program, I can't talk about him before Hamzat Shemayev. So we will get to see
4: the second fight.
0: There are a lot of layers to this. And uh, you know, I will lead by saying I believe Kamzatchimayev right now is the most dominant force in the game. But obviously he hasn't proven to be a guy who can consistently make the welterweight limit, never mind the championship limit, which is a pound below one hundred seventy one. Um, but for him to do this to Kevin Holland, however ill prepared Kevin may have been for this stylistic challenge, you know, Kevin can grapple. I mean, I understand that his wrestling at times has left things to be desired, but um you know, This seemed like a darse from hell, and um, this fighter is going to present problems, I think, to guys in three different divisions, Ray. So uh, I'll start with you and, and then get to the uh, the other legend, Ken Flo. But what do you have for us on Shimaev, uh, the week and the performance?
4: Uh, no, no, performance-wise, I mean, obviously unbelievable, right? Uh, and, and, and showed a smart fight IQ, too. He just said, let me just go out there and put it to where I'm – the best and that's exactly what he did and Kevin you know put up a fight but Kevin I think is one of those guys that he's I think it was like when uh Aljo fought Sanhagen you know I think the one thing we said was look you you get this guy down he's the, there's no urgency and with some guys you have to have urgency and be frantic to get out of that position so I think you know because certain guys latch onto your neck it's not it's not good. So I think that's the only thing I think Kevin Holland can wrestle, but I think he had a, he probably got blindsided too. I mean, I don't know. Somebody's standing, look at somebody saying he went to touch gloves and he shot a takedown and blah, blah, blah. And then it's over. But the guy, look, the guy looks like an animal and uh, now he's actually starting to talk like an animal. (laughs) And he was, he was really just total disdain for every, he didn't give a fuck about the weight, but I, I think I don't like, again, I'm trying to interpret, his his side of it, I think. Tell me if I'm wrong, because I didn't really follow the whole thing. His side of it was that he could have made weight. The doctors stopped him from making weight.
0: Yes, but right? that ultimately is on him.
4: Right, because he called the doctors. I'm assuming. Or no, well, did.
0: he was devastated. That was the verb that was used to describe it to me by someone in the know. But right, obviously, that's on him. You know, you got to put yourself in a position in the weight class relative to your bout agreement to not need medical. Attention in the middle of your weight cut, you know. But he definitely yes, I do believe that he
4: definitely needed medical attention.
0: Well, I mean, I guess intervention more so than attention, right? They stopped his weight cut, you know. But I do believe that the number would have been closer to like, you know, seventy three if he had actually, you know, if he had, right, right. But I think that
4: and was I interpreting that right? It seemed like he was. It seemed a couple of things. It seemed like he was bitching about that, that he could have made the weight, but the doctors, that's why I don't want to talk about it, because they stopped me from making the weight. So I mean, first of all, he's passing the buck, which I can't stand, but uh and then he kind of it was a little ambiguous too. He kind of said he knew he was fighting Kevin Holland before, like, anybody knew. <laughs> so, I don't know what the hell was going on. You know? Yeah. I, I don't know. It was a weird, weird thing, but Hey, it worked out for the UFC. I'm sure that's all they care about. And uh, You know, the fights were 100 percent entertaining. So that was a good night.
0: Temple, what do you got on Shimaev, kid?
1: I'll say, you know, he, he approached this fight like he was going against a sparring partner that he absolutely dominates in tools and practice whenever he wants. He just walked forward like he he had no respect for Kevin Holland whatsoever. He's like, I'm going to dominate you. I'm, I'm going to make this look easy because I know I'm going to make it look easy. And it was that level of confidence. And, and I'll say this. I think Kevin Holland has a lot of potential, but I'm also not going to pretend like he's a top 10, top five guy at this stage of his career. So Hamza, does he have a lot of potential? Absolutely. Um, you know, but we also can't forget he had a tough fight against Gilbert Burns. Gilbert Burns is a top five guy. He is very good. That was a close fight. When I see him do that against a top five guy, then I'm saying, all right, that's that's something special. That is something else. He's doing something different than everybody else. So I'm waiting for that kind of performance still early in his career. And we have to remember that, that what you do in training is rarely just seen in the octagon after three or four fights or five fights or six fights. It takes time to have that level of maturity and control and composure till you see that. Um, so I, does he have a lot? Absolutely. There's no question about it. He might just be one of the best ever. I don't know. I'm still waiting to see yeah. that and confirm that is the thing, but there's no question. He's got a lot of talent, but I think that he screwed this one up as far as the weight cut goes because there was yeah. a huge opportunity for him to go out there and fight and look good against a, a big legend in Nate Diaz. He missed out on that opportunity, may never get that back, right? Probably never going to get that back. So he's got to do something to redeem himself, both with the UFC with his fans and probably his team to show you can rely on me to make weight because that's a big thing with the UFC, right? Any organization who's putting money and promoting fights behind you. Yeah. If you're a question mark as far as whether you're going to make weight or not, that's no bueno. Yeah. That, well, that's right. not going to be good. So he's, he's got some redeeming to do. And, um, I, I think he can, I think he can definitely do it. He just has some work to do. Uh I
4: mean, wait, he looks me, like
2: a middleweight yeah, to me.
4: Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, he's big. The, The other thing, too, is, man, he handled Rogan like a true politician, man. Did he answer any questions that Rogan (laughs) answered? Like, what was – that was just total disregard for everything. He didn't give a fuck. I think it was – that was a bad look. And I agree with Kenny. As far as, you know, you got to see him against the upper-level guys, and he's right. At this point, Kevin Holland's not there either. But it still was a – I think it was a fair matchup for where they both were in their careers. You know, uh, if, uh, Hamza definitely going to beat 95% of the people at this point. There's no question about that. But I agree with Kenny. Let's see him, you know, against a Newsman or a Covington or somebody. Sure, you sure. Know, and Covington, then we'll make that, you know. That's but, the
0: dream fight, Chimaev and Covington, right? But I'm just saying, like, look, the Leech is a really good fighter, right? And he is just tooling him. Kevin Holland has headlines. He's fought Tiago Santos, knocked out Jacare Sosa, granted, not in his prime. Like this dude is just on a different level. Like he's a monster in terms of his size. Like obviously when oh, you go to 85, monster. there's somebody like Alex Pereira lurking, and it's a totally different ballgame. And Daniel Cormier like takes great exception to you talking about Chimayev as a light heavyweight, even though he dominates 205 05ers in training. I mean, there's certainly guys in the light heavyweight top 10 that he beats. I find it interesting that maybe the most difficult fight for him is Robert Whitaker. And he says, that is not a guy he wants to smash. He wants to train with Robert Whitaker. So I actually took issue with that. Um, but dude, the way he disposes of these guys and candidly just sitting octagon side for his UFC debut. And a lot of these fights thereafter, like I'm just saying, I've never seen anything like it, you know? Um, and there's a different ferocity to his game relative to like Habib Nurmagomedov's. Like this dude is a fucking monster, man. Like can't train with welterweights. I've said repeatedly on these airwaves, I don't think he can make welterweight consistently enough to be the champion of this weight class. You know, but I think he's favored to beat Usman and Edwards right now.
4: You know? Wow. He is favored to beat both of them.
0: That's just my opinion. I'm oh, just oh, a oh, oh, oh I, saw, I thought you You're said that.
4: you you know? No, no, no. Uh, I'm well, just saying. He's definitely the thing he did with with the leech, and he did with Kevin Holland. Is right away, he went for the ground game. I mean, he just imposed. It. He didn't do that with Burns, I don't think. Or did he? Well, go Burns right? has
0: that Charles Oliveira danger factor, right? Right, I right.
4: Mean, well, he didn't so respect.
0: Gilbert Burns is a very unique matchup.
4: I think. Uh, I mean, Kevin Holland knocked out Jocko Ray off his back. I mean, he should have been. He should have got a Kenny, little respect. Is it respect fair there. to say,
0: Travis, uh, that Travis Luter, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt, Kevin Holland, though, is not the decorated world champion Gilbert Burns in a grappling no, sense?
1: No, no, not at all. I mean, listen, Gilbert Burns, you know, obviously world-class uh, Jiu-Jitsu practitioner in every sense of the word, but is he necessarily known as being a threat off his back? Not necessarily, but. Uh, Again, for Chimayev, he felt something that he was not comfortable with. And if there's one guy who would have pulled it off, it's probably Gilbert Burns, right? So, um, yeah, no, and and I agree with that, John. I I think that's fair to say. I I think that um, that stylistically is one of the toughest matchups out there. Um, And I'm curious to see, just based on his wrestling credentials alone, how do they match up against a Kamaru Usman? You know, how how does it match up against a a Colby Covington? Um, I, I think he probably can do that based on his size and, and the high level that he's shown. Uh, yeah. But I, I, I want to see it. I want to see it. And um, I, I think it just becomes that much more intriguing for future matchups. He like seems it.
0: to be, <clears throat> excuse me, a much bigger human being than Colby Covington. But that remains my dream fight and has been no, for a couple no. of years. Uh, hey, Ray, before we get John on out of here, I just wanted to get some thoughts on Steve Lee. Obviously, he's a huge supporter of the Anakin Florian podcast. He's the reason why uh, Longo wideman MMA is flourishing as it is and uh, fell to Owen two as a pro, I guess, over the weekend. So how'd the fight yeah. go?
4: Man, I thought Steve did a lot of great things. I would have definitely given him the fight. Uh, he's just he's been in two fights that you know, one of the first was a split decision loss, so he's, his luck is not good. But he did so many really nice things in the fight. Well, you thought and,
0: he won this fight. He lost by unanimous decision, huh?
4: Yeah, I mean, but it, it was close. It's not a no way. I'm just saying I he looked like the better fighter. And I'd have to All see right. well, why they good. scored it the way they did. But, uh, uh, you know, the other guy had a lot of people there. So anytime he did anything, there was a crowd reaction. I think that maybe it's – no, I'm not taking away from Are you guys. telling
0: me that the Anakin Florian podcast listenership and its inability to show up for Steve Lee is in part to blame for this loss? Is oh, that what I'm, you're – Oh,
4: am 100%. To? Oh, God. 100%. I'm, I'm embarrassed.
0: Now I regret <laughs> bringing it up. All right. Well, uh, hey, we appreciate your but, time. We're going to let you go. Go ahead.
4: One quick thing, so but yeah. Steve Lee, I thought he did great. He made a lot of corrections from the first fight. Um he's really a student in the game. He's a great kid, so I wish him the best. And uh we also had Armando Gacher knock his guy out in the first round. He's looking really, really good. Yeah. Happy for him. He's made a lot of adjustments in his training, and he looks like he's gonna he's gonna go on a little bit of a run. So I'm happy for him too. But shout out to Armando and Steve Lee.
0: And tell Steve, Steve Lee head we're we're going to sponsor Steve for his third pro fight. Try to get the logo on his shorts, but we are pledging sponsorship to Steve Lee for his third pro fight. Is it,
4: okay. is, is it possible we get you as an opponent? <laughs> if I pay you, can we do that? Get the yeah, guy can 100%. We get a hundred percent. Can we do get you think him a you win? Can, get me approved, <laughs> can we get him a fucking win, John? Can you help is out? Is it bantamweight?
0: Is it weight?
4: Any weight you want. What, what is weight the weight is class? One thirty-five.
0: Yes, I can make the weight, but the question but- is. Zero and zero as a pro with no amateur bouts. Can will yeah, rank combat he's and 2. zero and two. so. I can so. make one hundred and thirty six pounds. That's not the issue. <laughs> oh, you
4: know? I don't. I think he'd fight you at one ninety. But uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm joking. All right. All right the guy's not, wait, all Kenny. Right. He's not laughing. Look at your asshole. I'm ready do to
0: something. go. Let's You're presenting something. me with a fight here on a Monday. No, <laughs> I would never do. It. I, oh, don't wanna see, I don't want. I don't want to
4: see two friends fight. That's all. Okay. All uh, right. What kind of person are you?
0: All right. I'm, go train. <laughs> that's I'm it? training this week.
4: <laughs> Columbia, are you, are you back in training
0: Performance on Wednesday? Yep.
4: What are you going to have in your corner? <laughs> JC Santana? Uh, his Col- son,
0: Rio. I don't or know if Carlos I can put both Santana. Santana's Which in the corner. Well, I have yeah. to have Rio Santana because he's it's my trainer. So if I have Rio and JC and Ken Flo and Dominic Cruz and oh. General Safe Sao oh, and maybe man. Ray Longo, I'm running out of
4: space, you know? Holy
0: shit. Uh, what are you going
1: to do now, Ray, huh? I can't can have can-
0: anyone associated with Matt Sarah in my Kenny,
4: he, can- <laughs> Yeah, he's, he's – I'll let me tell you something. That was a weekend from hell with him, but we'll leave that for another <laughs> podcast. That, that ain't never happening again. But oh. can I – can he get his uncle Carlos Santana to come with him? Because I'm a big music fan. I love his music. Uh, yeah. Anyway, yeah. all right, hey, whatever. All those right. jokes. Are, I mean, that yeah. would now we're resorting to schoolyard jokes. It's hard. Oh, oh
0: hey, enjoy that call, brew. Have a good day. We'll, uh,
4: we'll see ya. Salado, Salado, Ah, the Red Long committed every week
0: here on the Anik and Florian podcast, and we will not waste any time and rifle it back out to guest line because we have a good man waiting. He is TSN mixed martial arts reporter, regular contributor to the Anakin Florian podcast, Aaron Bronstetter. Good to see you, my man. Welcome home.
3: Hey, thank you. Good to be home.
0: All right. So um, I'd love to sort of maintain this level of levity and we'll get back to the fun stuff. But most of the MMA world was shook this morning when we awoke to the news that Elias Theodore at 34 years of age has succumbed uh, and passed away after a a battle with liver cancer that was stage four. Um, You know, it seemed like he kept this close to the vest, obviously, and um I know this hits you pretty hard, so we appreciate a few minutes of your time on what is a, a mournful day man. um What can you tell us as to uh what you know and and when you heard
3: yeah, thanks, John. um yeah, I landed in Toronto around you know maybe about eight p m eastern yesterday got home, uh put my kids to bed around nine p m and I got a a note from a colleague of mine saying, "Have you heard anything about Elias Theodoro?" and I said, "What about him and he goes i heard he i already he passed away um and uh I was rattled because the day before, backstage at UFC 279, I was in the partners area with Caroline Pierce from BT Sport, and she told me a story about visiting a friend of hers. She went to visit a friend, and her friend said, "I met this great guy online. Um, I haven't met him yet, but you know, we're we're, we're really hitting it off." And uh, she goes, "Let me show you a picture of him." And Caroline goes, "I hate to break it to you, but uh, this guy you're dating is uh he's you're being." catfished basically he was using a photo of Elias Theodoru oh,
2: <laughs> so Elias's oh. name
3: came up in this conversation I said I've got to check in on Elias I haven't spoken to him in some time um I'm going to call him on Monday and just cat- check-, check in maybe wow. do an interview with him see what he's up to call your friends call your family call wow. people that you haven't spoken to in a long time because you just never know what's going on obviously Elias hadn't told me anything he'd only told a handful of people I spoke to uh his representative yesterday somebody who had worked with him for a long time, and. Uh, she said she was one of the the few people that knew what he was going through. And she had sent them a couple of messages that went unanswered and she knew that something was up. Um, And she had found out the news uh, yesterday as well. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's just horrible. There's not much more to say about it, but if anybody's looking for a silver lining here, um, I will do my best to provide one because when somebody who's 34 years of age dies of cancer, there aren't a lot of silver linings um, for most human beings. But when Elias was released from the UFC, you know, him and I were always in touch. I actually knew Elias before I started covering MMA. I was a guest booker for a show and I had booked him a couple of times because he was just so charismatic and loved yeah. doing media. Um, and I said to him, you know, are you going to sign with the PFL, sign with Bellator? He had a bunch of different offers from from major promotions. But he his interest was not in fighting for a major promotion again. It was in getting a therapeutic use exemption for medical cannabis. Right. That was his his purpose that had driven him since he had been released from the UFC. And a lot of people don't realize Elias came from kind of a a middle to upper class family. He doesn't have one of these hard knocks life stories. His first time stepping into an MMA gym was at age 21. He won the ultimate fighter at 25. Like this guy was just a natural at what he did. And when he was released, that was what he wanted to do was be, be able to get a therapeutic use exemption for medical cannabis. Because when he was in the UFC, he was trying to get one with USADA and USADA said to him well we can look into this but before we do we need you to exhaust every avenue we need you to take every first line medication under the sun that will help you with he had a degenerative hand disorder something with with a, a muscular uh degeneration in his hand and the only thing that helped him in terms of recovery in terms of being able to compete was was medical uh, medical cannabis right and so he had to go on antidepressants things like vicodin painkillers and all kinds of different things to see if it would help him as much as the medical cannabis did. So he basically became a guinea pig in order to prove that this medicine was going to be able to help him more than other medications. And he worked with Jeff Nowitzki to try to convince USADA, who are under the umbrella of WADA, that he should be granted uh, therapeutic use exemption. So when he was released, he said to me, yeah, I'm not that interested in competing for major promotions, unless they're going to be able to do it in jurisdictions that will consider giving me a therapeutic use exemption. So he ended up staying on the regional scene right. and working with the commission in British Columbia, and then subsequently in Colorado, and became the first North American pro-athlete to get a therapeutic use, use exemption in, in North America, both in Canada and the United States, which was his purpose. He wanted, and, and that's going to be his legacy, is, is helping athletes that are able to benefit from using medical cannabis to, to help them perform. Um, so he was able to accomplish back in December, his last fight in Colorado, his life's goal, his purpose. And while he unfortunately is no longer with us and is going to miss out on, on the years of life that so many of us get to experience beyond the age of 34, we can at least rest comfortably knowing that he was able to accomplish this one thing that he had his mind set on since being, yeah. you know, after being not only after being released from the UFC, but while he was in the UFC yeah, and uh, getting to accomplish that. And I think that that is what he would want to, to us to be talking about today uh, as yeah. his legacy.
0: It's beautifully put. And, and I can obviously see the emotion spilling out of you. And uh, yeah, man, you know, he got it done. I mean, he got it done. And uh really had a very good mixed martial arts career as well. And, um, you can check out my Instagram story if you want to see, uh, his last post. Well, his first post fight interview in the UFC when he won the ultimate fighter, but, uh, just a really good dude. And, you know, we set off the top of the show. I mean, just such a light, like, I really don't think he had anything amounting to an enemy in mixed martial arts. So, uh, tr- tremendous legacy. And we will continue to, uh, try to keep his memory, uh, at the forefront, certainly over the next couple weeks at the least. Um, So I don't know if you, as a mixed martial arts journalist, when you come on a podcast like this, expect to be asked about Nate Diaz or Hamzat Shimaev first. But uh, the lead for me is, what do you do with Hamzat Shimaev?
3: You you do whatever you can. You get this guy back in the cage. I mean, this guy... Listen, if you're going to miss weight like that at 7 pounds, and walk onto the scale in in the brazen fashion that he did, you need to deliver the goods. And he delivered the goods. You know, say what you will about that situation and whether or not he was being a professional. I know that anybody who has competed in mixed martial arts, uh, I'm sure Kenny probably has talked about this ad nauseum so far on the show. You are expected to make weight. Like if you're going to be a professional, even if you're off by a half pound or a pound, it's a little bit more acceptable. Seven and a half pounds in the eyes of anybody who's competed in mixed martial arts or a sport where you need to be on weight is is borderline unacceptable. So if you're going to miss weight by that much, you better perform. And did he ever, perform on Saturday night.
0: Kenny weighed in twice at 140, once at 145 pounds, once at 146 pounds. So I'm glad like I can talk about these situations having not experienced that, you know, because Paul Felder has nothing resembling patience for anything like this. Um, But Kenny, I do think it's hard as a former fighter who has literally stared death in the face and had your brother like being held back to try to go save you. Yeah. Um, you know, I just think it's a different sort of, you're just looking at it through a completely different lens than I,
1: yeah, you know, it, it's tough. And again, I, I think the main thing is what's driving you and, and what's your motivation like. Um, and, and I think Hamzat is absolutely putting in the work. Um, and I think that, you know, when you, when you check in, usually, I don't know if this is the way it went down. When you check in on fight week, the UFC checks your weight. And I'm sure that's really was that that's really what was the concern um, from the UFC and the doctors is he probably came in very, very heavy. And when they see that, there's obviously going to be that concern. And they're going to be watching that guy uh, right. more closely than others. So it, it's unfortunate all the way around. But, you know. Aaron, do you think this is something that he's going to be able to bounce back from? Is this going to be uh, uh, something that's viewed as a part of his legacy? Because it seems obviously that in MMA, you know, people can have short-term memories and, and you know, one fight back and everyone kind of forgets about.
3: It. Yeah, we sure can. Because the, one month ago, we were talking about how Usman's going to beat Leon Edwards and face Kamzad Shamayev after he destroys Nate Diaz. Right, Look right. where we're at today. I mean, there is there is there a reason why we have short-term memories? I mean, because this sport right, moves right. at a speed that we can't keep up with at times. Um, yeah, I think he can bounce back. I mean, listen, people, next time he competes, this will be an afterthought. When you're, when, when you're in it, you're in it in MMA. Yeah. But think of how much of an afterthought what happened on Thursday backstage was on Friday. It was gone. It was yeah, boom, right. Right. gone into, into the stratosphere, the MMA stratosphere. And everybody's talking about, you know, now the UFC has to, you know, shuffle the deck for UFC 279. And John, I'm sure as somebody who works for the UFC, that's a nightmare for everybody behind the scenes. I'm sure people were burning the midnight oil overnight, getting promos ready, graphics ready. That's just such a disaster for the promotion to have to go through. Um, So I'm I'm sure you've seen these conspiracy theorists saying that uh, this was all, this is all part of the plan. I mean, Come on, come on.
0: No, I mean, they literally rushed me back to my room to rewrite and revoice the way in intro before I went to try to host UFC live because they needed that voiceover like yesterday, you know. So, uh, yeah, there was a lot that was going on there. Last thing before we let you fly, and I'm going to keep it on Hamzat Shimayev, just in terms of his ability to make the weight or moving up to middleweight or what you exactly would do. You know, there's no denying his work ethic as an athlete. He just doesn't seem to have an appetite, no pun intended, for making the weight consistently and doesn't much care if he pisses his coaches off along the way. Like, that's my read, yet doesn't want to fight Robert Whittaker, who I think makes a shit ton of sense. So what would you do with Hamza Shimaya from a matchmaking perspective, and would you give him a chance, um, you know, to make 70 in his next fight?
3: Why is nobody talking about Balam Muhammad versus Sean Brady? Like, is this not the obvious answer? The winner, the winner of that of fight. That
0: fight. Yeah, so these that guys want to no, get I love
3: the welterweight title picture. If, if Shemaev if wants to stay at 170 pounds and prove that he can be the champion of the world at welterweight, give him one more shot to make the weight, put him against the next guy in line, and it. let's go. I, I mean, the Whitaker thing, I think from a competitive standpoint, that's probably his toughest opponent that you could give him right now that's not a champion, right? right. No yes. disrespect to Brady and, and Bola oh, Muhammad, yeah. Yeah. but I mean, I think that the Whitaker fight would be in, an interesting one, but... I mean, the answer, I think, is just staring us right in the face. This fight's I happening agree. in, in – yeah, it's happening in a month's time. Like, let's let's just pump the brakes, see what happens in that one. Bilal Muhammad has expressed interest in facing Shamayev in the past. I don't know what Sean Brady's stance is on it. I, I'm sure he's oh, he's no game. Blame, I mean, man. he's a gamer. So I'm sure that that's fine. But those guys are both vying to get into the title picture. And Shamayev is – he said it at the post-fight press conference. If not me, who else? I mean, Colby's right. lost twice. Jorge's right. lost twice. Um, I think that Shemaev is the next obvious answer for who should – Uh, face the winner of Leon versus Usman. But if he is coming off of a weight miss, I think he needs to prove that that was an anomaly.
0: Right. Yeah. No, I think that makes a lot of sense. It's very interesting because he has been discouraged from competing regularly on short notice up at 85 by his coaches because they want him to be of a singular mind and have clear intentions on the UFC welterweight title. Um, But I don't know. I mean, I looked at him leading up to this fight and it was like, he looks like he's adding muscle mass. He looks like an absolute monster, and he certainly doesn't look like a welterweight at times. But um, the most dominant force in the game for me, also a dominant force in the game, Aaron Bronstedt. Or find him on social media. Hey, uh, thanks for hopping on, man. And um, you know, we'll be mourning with you uh, the loss of Elias Theodore. We appreciate your time as always, sir.
3: Thanks. Appreciate you guys for having me on and uh, giving me the opportunity to talk about Elias. He's just like you said. He was just a bright light, smile that lit up a room. Uh, and I, I'm still, I'm still rattled, man. I, I just can't I get over it. It I doesn't know. make sense to me.
0: You're very gracious to join us, buddy. We'll talk to you in a couple of weeks, okay? You bet. Thank you. All right, there he is, TSN MMA reporter, Aaron Bronstetter. You know, I'll be criticized for my Chimayev take, I'm sure, and that is fine. You know, I've been pretty critical over the last 45 minutes. I do think at times there could be some selective listening going on. You know, I'm not pardoning the weight cut uh, or miss, I should say, you know. And I'm trying to impart a lot of the information that was presented to me leading up to the fight. So uh, it is what it is. Now joining us, though, is a guy who I don't think ever missed weight in his entire career. Look at handsome D Thomas. Give him that center of that screen. What's up, man? I wish
2: I, wish I missed weight when I was supposed to fight Kenny. <laughs> stop. Stop. <laughs> I wouldn't have got oh, my head bounced up off that canvas. <laughs> Look
0: how good you look without makeup, man! On a Monday morning, you don't even. Oh, you know, makeup. listen.
2: I just woke up, brother. So you know what I'm saying. Listen, black don't crack though. That's true. <laughs> so it's all good.
0: Right? Are you really like? If there was not white in your beard, I would say you could get away with being like 28, 29. <laughs> um, so, man, a lot to digest from the weekend. I know you heard some of what we had to say about Kamzat Shimaev. I, I'm I'm just dying to know what you think about how they move forward with him, uh, and and what you think of the performance too, because you've seen them all.
2: I mean, the performance, let's speak on that first. I mean, it was flawless. I mean, he didn't take a punch. He shot in as fast as anyone I've ever seen shoot. He got him down. He cut through his guard like like hot knife through butter. And then he submitted him. So, like, you can't really get any better than a performance like that. Um, But I I think they're going to give him a chance. You know, the UFC, I heard you guys talk about short memory. And the UFC has a very short memory as well. And that really kind of relies on the short memory of the fans. And the fans have a really, really short memory. Uh-huh. And the one thing I've learned in this game is that winning solves everything. And that when you win, you can get away with almost anything.
1: Dean, I, I don't know how much inside information you have on the cutter, what happened and all that stuff. But if you're his coach and you've been around the game for a long time, both as a fighter, as a coach, what would you tell Hamzat to do? Do you keep him at 170 pounds? Obviously a, a ton of big money fights there. Or do you say, hey, let's let's scrap that. Let's push you to 185 pounds uh, for your next one and, and and maybe for the foreseeable future.
2: Well, I would like as his coach, I would have to see where I thought he had the best chances of winning. Because when you deal with a guy like Hamzat, you know, he's a wild card. And he's undisciplined in every aspect of the game. So it's probably not just weight cutting. And yeah. he reminds me of those guys that come into the gym that are like that are super talented, but they never make it. That's what he reminds me of, but he's, but he's already made it. And I feel as though he's going to self-sabotage himself in some way to where he doesn't become champion because he doesn't have that type of discipline. So if I'm his coach, I try to figure out what the best weight class is for him and just say, all right, this is our best chance of winning a title. Let's see if we can get this done. Just stay focused for six months and let's just try to get the title, you know?
0: I think that was a a great bit of analysis from you, and I love that you've stayed critical throughout your broadcasting career, and I commend you for that. But when you say that he's undisciplined in every phase of the game, I have no choice but to go back at you a little bit. I can't speak to the nutrition in certain elements, but he's obsessed with martial arts. I mean, he is the hardest worker in the room, and that's not – coming from just one or two sources you know they can't even find bodies in the weight class to train with the guy so what do you think is the lack of focus just the the championship type focus like everything that encompasses being a world champion because as far as the training and the martial arts um you know
2: he's all in he's all in on that that, see, see now we're talking about different things i'm not saying he's not passionate i believe he's really passionate about fighting I believe he loves to fight. I believe he's and he's very good at what he loves to do. And that's fighting. I believe he loves beating people up and he's very good at that. But in terms but he's also a fighter. So I believe that he doesn't want no one telling him what to do. He doesn't want nobody telling him how to live his life. And that's but that's not inconsistent with fighters. A lot of fighters are like that. They're just not as good as Hamza. So you, it, go, it gets swept under the table. So most fighters are kind of like that. They're just not as good as him. If other fighters could get away with it, they would. But he can get away with it because he is so good. Right. Uh, how,
1: do you, how do you reconcile that, Dean? Because obviously, you know, ton of talent. The, the dude could be a, a world champion in two different weight classes if he wanted to, it seems, at this stage of the game. Can you get inside a fighter's head that way? And if you can, what do you say to that guy to, to kind of turn things around?
2: Well, two things. There's only two things that I've seen do it. And that is just one best case scenario is that maturity happens. Like he, he gets mature. Who, who knows? Maybe he has a baby or something, but whatever oh. it is, it's gonna, whatever it is that's going to allow him to be mature and to look at this as a job and a career, then that's one. Yeah. The other is a loss hmm. or losing like a losing streak, but sometimes a losing streak, you, they lose the passion for the game and then they're never the same. So hopefully Hamza could, can just gain that maturity in some way yeah. to where he doesn't have to take a loss.
0: I wonder what I would recommend a loss or a baby. Like I actually <laughs> think I would recommend a loss and not a baby yeah. and um, not a baby.
2: Right. Poor right.
0: baby. <laughs> right. Though, Because it, for a lot of us, certainly even non fighters, um, I think that's a very valuable thing, right. That could certainly center him. Um I did think it was interesting that he was asked about Robert Whitaker, which you can argue in these two divisions is the worst matchup or the toughest matchup for him. And Hamza Chimayev went very quickly from being the I'll smash everybody guy to saying that he wants to train with Whitaker and that he likes him, you know. Didn't necessarily love the narrative, you know.
2: Yeah, that's – you know what? That's a little – yeah, you know, I mean – that, that's telling right there, isn't it? I you know, he's, I'll smash everybody. Oh no, I like that guy. That's <laughs> <telling. laughs> <Right. laughs> Yeah. So,
0: uh, so Colby Covington doesn't have a fight, you know, Sean Brady and Bilal Muhammad Aaron Bronstetter was just on. He says the winner of that fight should fight Chimayev, but last thing on him before we sort of move on to Nate and some other things promotionally, would you give Chimayev a chance to make welterweight in his next fight and give him one of those top guys?
2: i would i would give him i think aaron was right i think you give him the winner of Bilal and sean brady you give him an opportunity to make the weight but uh, obviously the ufc is going to have to do a i don't want to say a better job but maybe have somebody on it you know throughout camp to, to monitor that but you do give him another chance
0: yeah he did come in lighter this time around uh relative to uh to his previous fight, but, uh, I guess that's neither here nor there. And I'm sure when I say that a lot of people, uh, that falls on deaf ears. Um, so we were trying to put Nate Diaz's career into context on the post fight show. And also here, pretty impressive, man. Like if you're a prize fighter trying to make money, I mean, I know he didn't realize a world title. He did get a chance to fight for it, you know, about 10 years ago, but, um, you know, as far as career success in the UFC, there aren't many who've done it better than Nate Diaz. What do you think about all that?
2: I mean, I love it. I love when a fighter can come in and have the type of career that he's had. Like if a fighter comes in and has a career for over five years, I'm like, all right, man, you did good because it's a hard game to to do. It's a hard lifestyle. It's very difficult. And for him to come in and not only come in and have the career that he's had, but to go out the way he's had, no one has went out as beautifully as he has, as on his own terms as he has. The only other person I could think of is when Chris Lytle, Beat Dan so, Hardy and went out there, but that compared that pales in comparison to the way Nate went out, especially when they were intentionally trying to stack the odds against him, and he defeated the odds and still right. goes out on his own terms. Right, and he's one to zero against Kamzat
0: Chimaev, right? Because Chimaev couldn't make it to the fight. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, he's one to zero. Well,
2: that's, that's what Nate Diaz fans would say anyway.
1: Oh, yeah. hey, D- Dude, do you think do you think we see Nate Diaz back in the UFC or or do you think he's gonna kind of go out and do his own thing? He says he's halfway there. He's still got a lot more to give. I, I don't know how many more fights he has or wants to do. But w- what's your what are your thoughts on that?
2: I don't think so, man. I mean, he's starting his own promotion, I- I apparently, which is probably probably not going to do <laughs> too well after a while. You know, I mean, you think Nate or- Diaz had like you talk about discipline? You think he has the discipline to really like? put a show together. I mean, I'm not, I'm trying not to hate, but I just, you know, it's going to be tough. It's you tough. You know tough. how hard it is to throw shows. Um, But I I think Nate lives a good life, man. I think he he gets done with this and just lives a good life. You know, he, he'll probably box Jake Paul. Yeah, And and you can quote me on this. I have a feeling that he's going to step in for Anderson Silva on the 29th. Wow. So that's my, that's my prediction. And I think he fights Jake Paul. And then I think he you just rides out into the sunset, showing up at shows and smoking a blunt and just being That's a right. fan favorite, being a good dude. That's
0: right. I like that, man. That absolutely could happen here seven or eight weeks from now. So uh, we got a couple more minutes here with the coach, Dean Thomas. Tremendous addition to uh, to the UFC broadcast team. The media mogul, Dean Thomas, can also be heard uh, down here in South Florida on the radio. So Jyilton Almeida, right? Like we talk about these prospects and I say, you know, every now and again, a guy comes along that captures the attention of the entire sport. And I'm not sure why it took Jailton Almeida this long to get to the UFC. Um, And I'm not suggesting there aren't guys who are long and fast, real good strikers, Dominic Reyes types that um, could immediately give him a real problem. But I look at Almeida at light heavyweight as a guy who is ready to fight all of these guys and these top matchups right now. He's a real BJJ black belt, Uh, What do you think, Dean Thomas, about Jailton Almeida, the performance, and ultimately, um, you know,
2: his future in one or two divisions? You know, he's he's got all the intangibles. He's he looks great, like he's physically a specimen. The problem with him, and he's he's a character too, but he but we don't have an opportunity to see it because he doesn't speak English. So that's a problem. And and the fact that he doesn't speak English, and he's a jujitsu guy, the way he's fighting kind of presents a problem for him. It puts him at a stalemate. Now, if he's a striker and doesn't speak English, that doesn't matter because we can all relate to knockouts. But the way he's beating guys systematically and doing it with ease and effortlessness, it just kind of presents a a stalemate for him in terms of popularity, which makes it harder to sell him. But I do believe that, again, winning solves everything. He's going to continue to win. He's going to continue to move up. And I think that they're going to allow his character to show a little bit more because apparently he is quite the character. He comes from that region of Brazil where it's just all party. It's so interesting that you say that. And Kenny Dean and I
0: talked a little bit about him. He's so smart, right? Some of these guys, you can tell when they're getting interpreted like Davison Figueredo, who Dean told me is like a Renaissance man, you know, but like when Jailton Almeida gets interpreted, I mean, he's the most thoughtful dude in the world. He's a gentle dude. And I almost asked him in the fighter meeting, like, Hey man, like, you think you want to go like Junior Dos Santos route? Because if you learn this language, man, you could be a star. But if you go the Jose Aldo route, um, not everybody can be the king of Rio. You know?
2: Yeah, I mean, and not only that, but like if he like, the, like he's not not like he's got to knock guys out if he wants to go that route. And I mean, Jose did it, but it took Jose ten years to get love. Yeah. So I mean, no, you, right. you gotta you, like the only person who's done it without speaking English is Alex Pajeda, but he's knocking people out. (laughs) So you got to knock people out or speak the language. All right. Last thing for me, before we let you go,
0: the hardest thing for me is, uh, is seeing fighters after these close fights, just so dejected, a guy like Darian weeks. It was the first fight of the night. You know, he falls to zero and three in the UFC loses a split that the masses really thought he won. So I'm walking back to my hotel room in whatever condition, right? And first I see Darian Weeks and it's like, oh man, feel so bad for the guy. And then I see Tony Ferguson's wife and I'm like, man, I just got to like keep my head down and get to the hotel room. But I bring it up in the contest of the leech, Lee Jing Leong, who falls to Daniel Rodriguez by split decision because, you know, the leech stepped up and, you know, I'm sure he was more than willing when he got that first phone call. Hopefully he got some more money, but fighting a guy who's 10 pounds heavier, you feel like you beat him. Everybody seemingly in the MMA stratosphere feels like you beat D Rod and then you're on the wrong end of a split. So um, you know, the leech is gonna make some money. I'm not sure that this stings too bad in terms of like contendership, but uh I don't know, man. I'm feeling for the leech here on a Monday, bro.
2: I tell you what, man, I felt really bad for him all weekend. I mean, when you think about his career, like how many times he's had to take it for the team, you know, like he he's yeah. the one who really put Jamayev on the map, you know what I'm saying? Like the saddest him... part about it.
1: The saddest part about it, Dean, he never got a chance to show that suit. He never got a chance to show
2: the suit. He was he was so excited to walk out there, and then the way they the way they ushered him back, they like, all right, come on, man, let's go. <laughs> it was hilarious. Yeah. Oh, speaking of speaking of the outfits, oh, check out the shirt. At you. Look at you, hey. hey, check out the shirt. But nah, oh. man, you're right. The leech he he took we took one for the team. But what I do believe is that. You know, good guys don't always finish last. I mean, right now it seems like it, but I do believe that at the end of the day, the UFC is gonna take care of him and they're gonna remember all this. Dana, yeah. you know, Dana will remember this and be like, all right, man, you know what? Let's let's hook him up. We're gonna give we're gonna give him a, a couple layups. And I think I think that'll happen.
0: Yeah, he'll get a good matchup at the very least, even if it is somebody in that top 15, which he deserves. And uh, you know, maybe he'll get uh Vicente Luque. I think that's a fight that a lot of people have been calling for. And that would be, you know, six or seven slots, I believe, up above his ranking. You know, I mean, you could certainly give the leech Wonder Boy as well, but his his he's basically staying in the US away from his family all year, trying yeah. to get a third fight in. And uh, you know, I just have so much respect for him. well,
2: see, like you you say you say Luque, hey, I'm hoping that he gets like a I, really I know. I'm I know. hoping he gets but, CM Punk. And then oh, no, I don't, I don't,
0: <laughs> but I guess, I mean, I'm not to go, but like he says, this is such a critical stage of his career. Yeah. That it's all about contending. that I just don't know that because there's inherent risk and in all like, I mean, I don't, I, I guess I'm not thinking of the name. I understand. Give him an easy yeah. fight, a potentially bonus winning type of fight, but, um, I don't know. Like, I think he has a great chance against Luke. And that would yeah, get him in the yeah, top he does. Seven, you know? Yeah, so, he
2: does. But, uh, yeah. Uh, Hoping the yeah. best for him, though. Either way, you're right. Like uh, I, right. I'm hoping that he gets an easy fight and then a good fight in terms of moving him up the ranking.
0: Right. I'm not saying the Wonder Boy fight's a picnic for him, by the way, at all. No, no. <laughs> good, you know. um, and talk about a guy who transcends languages, uh, the Leech Legion Leon. Uh, all right, Dean, last thing I have for you today, just in terms of your fighting career, you know, I do find it interesting. Sometimes people lose sight of the fact that Dean Thomas had this UFC career because it happened a long time ago. We deal with it with Ken Flo a little bit too. You know, we have listeners coming to the show every day that don't understand, you know, the type of things that he did to men like Clay Guida and Joe Lozon or the fact that he fought for the world title three times. But in terms of your mixed martial arts career, what is like the best moment for you? Like if I was to go to UFC Fight Pass and watch one Dean Thomas fight, so we'll go um, to youtube and look for one dean thomas regional fight what is the i mean moment it, of
2: your- it would probably have to be ufc 71 when i fought jeremy stevenson because um i won a bonus you know what i'm saying that's when they just started giving out bonuses and i got a submission of to the night bonus so like right. th- and i and i got a lexus off of that too so i was like i was All excited right. about All that nice. so i gotta i gotta give a shout out to uh to that that moment right. well we'll check that out on ufc fight
0: pass and uh Appreciate everything that you're doing, my man. For more, it's at Dean Thomas on social media. That is spelled D-I-N. You have yourself a great, great day and a better evening, and uh, we will see you soon. on the- Oh, you got Jillian Robertson this weekend. Yes.
2: You- Jillian Robertson this weekend, and I'm working the desk. So I'm pulling double duty.
0: I just that's line awesome. in the fucking pockets. I mean, that's right. Do we fall, like, hey, to like something else.
1: Dean you're, <laughs> kill, you're, Dean, you're killing it, man. You know, it, it's, it's really difficult to be, to have sharp analysis, to be concise and, and to pass on the experience and knowledge that you have in a short amount of time. You're, you're doing that. You're doing a tremendous job. You've been a natural at it, man. Real happy for you, man.
2: Congratulations, Thank you, man. I appreciate right. that. For it. sure. Yeah. For sure, man.
0: Hey, Jillian's got Sarah McMahon, right? It's a prelim. That's a big fight though.
2: Right. No, she's fighting um, Mashka Maria oh. Agapova.
0: Oh, Maria Agapova! I'm a fucking yeah. Idiot. I always I'm call her Agapova. Agapova. That's
2: the man. way you used to call her top team, Agapova. Yeah, Agapova. <laughs> yeah. she's Agapova. A wild.
0: She is a wild man. She is woman, wild. So she's a wild woman.
2: Yeah, know? she sure is. We, I mean, we've trained with her a lot, so like we know what to expect.
0: Yeah. All right, man. Well, stay handsome. We'll uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right.
2: I love you guys, man. I'm gonna catch up with y'all. Love See, team. Peace
0: here. On the Anakin Florian podcast, it's tricky too in that coach's role, because as far as I'm concerned, you could give him a hot mic for the whole fight and there would be tremendous value. But sometimes, you know, he'll say to the truck, I'm ready. And the moment can pass because the sport moves so quick. Right. You know, so um, right it's no, he's thing. doing
2: great, yeah.
1: man. He really has been a great addition.
2: Yeah.
0: All right. It is now time to spin it forward. I feel like we got to just talk about a Aldana. We can do that with Brian Petrie, though, that fucking liver kick with her heel. But we got to spin it forward. Let's get to the pronunciation of the week. we got a UFC fight night coming up this weekend. It is billed Sandhagen versus Song, as we call on Cody Merrow for our pronunciation of the week. What's up, brother?
5: How's it going? How's it going? Quick, so a line on that. We're not going to pick it. Jillian Robinson's a minus 150 favorite. It right, seems like you know Dean Thomas has got a little inside info there on Agabova. so maybe some value there for your value boys, Brian Petrie.
0: Yeah, quite possibly. Roger Crawl, though, in the other corner with Maria Agapova, so you never know. Um, All right, pronunciation of the week. This man fights Gregory Rodriguez live on ESPN Plus this weekend. He is also a guy who it took 28 fights to get to the UFC, and then in his first five minutes and four seconds in the octagon, he's produced two sensational knockouts. Not TKOs, KOs, and two bonuses as well. Cody Merrow, of whom am I speaking?
5: Well, hey, every man has had a good five-minute performance out there. So, if to get two of them in in five minutes, I mean that's oh. a hell of a good time. Uh, but I believe the man you're speaking of is Chitty
0: Njokwani. For him,
4: Chidi
3: and Jokowani. Chidi, Chidi, bang bang, and Jokawani.
0: All right, I so know. you actually got both names wrong. But part of the reason I play that file, and we're going to hear it again, Ken Flo. How about the fucking vocals on Chidi and Jokawani, bro? How about his voice? Like, the first time I met him, I was like, bro, I'm a broadcaster. <laughs> like, let's trade voices. I mean, listen to these fucking pipes once more.
4: Chidi and Jokawani. Oh. Wow. Chidi, Chidi, bang, bang, and Jokawani.
5: Damn. Kind of got like an Idris Elba vibe to him, you know?
0: Yeah, not shitty. Time and five syllables on the last name. You emphasize and the Joe. fourth
1: one. And Joe. Kawani.
0: Two and four. Yeah. Right. Two and four. It's a weird one. Yeah. No, you're right. And Joe Kawani. But the, the, the most pronounced syllable, if you will, is is number four. And Joe Kawani. Thanks, Cody. We'll talk to you later for the Marrow Seconds, right? Yes. It is now time for the main event challenge and so much more as we welcome on our guy, Handicapper to the Stars. Big Gun Brian Petrie, who's going to help us talk about some of these other performances at UFC 279 before we spin it forward. Bob's hi Brian,
6: hey. So uh, thanks,
0: thanks for stepping up and doing the half episode with Ken Flo. Oh, it's fun.
6: We had a blast. If you want
0: to catch that retroactively, uh, these guys gave their predictions when the card was rebooked uh, late Thursday, Friday, whatever it was. So uh, you can check that out. Um, You just heard us talk about a Rene Aldana and. I love her ability to mentally like stay in fights when they're not going well. Even in her previous mm-hmm. fight against Yana Kunitskaya, she was getting pieced up a little bit and then she knocks her out. I know it was a one round fight, but uh, this had never happened before in UFC history. Nobody yeah. had never won a fight with an upkick to the body. Your thoughts on Iran Aldada?
6: Yeah, I mean, I was surprised. I was like, what happened? Like what you guys were like, what, yeah, what you just, I, mean, I, I saw the upkick and I'm like, what happened? In the replay, I went, oh, okay, that is devastating. She saved my night. I had her by knockout. Amazing fight. I thought she maybe warranted a 10-8 in that first round. It was very close. She dominated, I mean, very close to a 10-8. In the second round, Macy comes out and goes, you know what? Fuck that. I'm going to come out, and I'm not giving up either. So you're 1-1 headed into the third. And, uh, yeah, I love that. And I love that she came out and said that uh, she trains that. Like, that's something that she trains because it's something we've never seen before. But, I mean, man, uh, you guys were talking about body shots last week. The only time I've ever been hurt in the gym was to a body shot to the liver. So I can't even imagine a heel to deliver like that. It is devastating. Uh,
1: two things for me you know, first of all, where did that ground game from Aldana come from? I, I mean she showed yeah, crazy improvements on the ground. I was blown away at how comfortable and how technical she looked at times. I, I was really impressed and then number two, Here's what's going to happen. Every MMA fighter today, it's yeah. Monday, is going to be working that <laughs> yeah. shot to the body yeah. and you end up oh, on yeah. your back. And that, that's a sign of, of a cool technique, a technique that you kind of maybe didn't think of that now everyone's going to be trying to pull off if they can. I thought I thought it was brilliant.
6: And so especially I just, because people go, they come in sideways with their legs Yeah, they lean first. up so they can't hit yeah. to the head. Yeah. Right, and the
1: body's available.
6: That's perfect.
0: Yeah. So I just grabbed my notes on a Aldana, Ken Flow and... Not that it's anything groundbreaking, but it just says that she has a ton of jujitsu competition and willingness. Right. So she's always competed in jujitsu. She fought for the jungle fight title in Belang in 2013, you know, in what was like her fourth pro fight or something, you know. So she's just a willing martial artist. And I do know in terms of like the jujitsu maintenance at that gym, like they really do work, and obviously because it's been a perceived hole, so um, sure, huge sure. result for Aldana. And I she can tell you, stopped, she was man. closer to weight than Macy Shasson, you know. Um, mm-hmm. so she deserved that. Uh, all right, crazy, 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 crazy weekend. Before we wrap it up, I just need your two cents on Kamzachi what you would do with him moving forward. Uh, and then we'll get to the picks.
6: Yeah, I mean, I see, I mean, he's a star, and what he do with Kevin Holland shouldn't go overlooked. You miss weight by that much, and then you Seemingly, at least to the public, act like you don't care. Like you know, most guys when they miss weight, I'm so sorry. You know, it is what it is. He walks off and kind of like you know, yelled Chet's and gives some birds and was like, "Oh, that's not that bad." So I perceive it as maybe he didn't care and didn't try. And then, luckily, the UFC shuffled everything around. It was a great card, but I mean, that could have that could have tanked this card, which you know that was the main event. That's what people showed up for. I mean, Nate Diaz the star They want to see Chimaev. That could have tanked this card. Thankfully, Tony and all these other guys stepped up. But I mean, I think you should give him a shot at 70. I don't think, I mean, Colby Covington is a fight that everyone's talking about. I love that fight. Give him another shot at 70. If he does it again, yeah. then, you know, kind of pull the rug like they would do with yeah. Cejudo. You guys remember Cejudo couldn't make 125 and they were like, you got to go up to 35. And then he finally got his shit together. And yeah. Started making yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, Kevin Holland, the more I think about it, I mean, certainly the leech deserves a ton of credit, but mm-hmm. Kevin Holland seemingly Kenny would have had the power to like blow this whole thing up I mean Nate Mm -hmm. Diaz and Tony Ferguson obviously you needed to get that main event done and and figured that monetarily that would maybe be the way to do so but Kevin Holland wanted a main event and he wanted five rounds against Kamzat Chimaev he got the five rounds he didn't get the main event but I suppose you could have gone like Chimaev and D-Rod but foundationally there was nothing that built that fight at least you had the dust up between Holland and Chimaev I hope Kevin Holland got paid
1: yeah, Pretty I mean, right. he, he definitely took a big risk in taking that fight. The fact that he asked for five rounds, you know, shows what kind of fighter, what, what a kind beast. of mentality he has, yeah. man. But that, uh, yeah. All
0: right, let us get to the picks. UFC Fight Night, your main event. The Bantamweights, Corey Sandhagen and Song Yadong, live wall-to-wall on ESPN+. Plus. Now, Sadiq Yusuf was to face Giga Chikadze in the co-main event. But unless some news has broken since we got on the air, Chikadze is out. They're still trying to find a possible replacement for Sadiq. Uh, as such, we just have three main card selections for you today. We'll begin in that division. Just another fight at featherweight. Andre Feely, minus 120. Bill Algio, even money. Plus 100, as they say in modern-day circles. But when you're born in the 1970s, that's a fucking even money underdog. <laughs> uh, 19th UFC appearance for Andre Feely. Almost 10 years on the roster now. He actually fought Sadiq Yusuf back in 2020. Feely kind of Brian underappreciates his own UFC body of work. There have been mm-hmm. big wins, but... He doesn't like the 9 and 8 with a no contest in the UFC. Uh, he is winless spanning his last three, just one win in his last five. Alge on the other, other side making a quick turn. He has some momentum. Your thoughts on this one?
6: Yeah, first off, this is a great card. I think people are sleeping on this card. This is a really good card. I know it's not the biggest name value card, but there are spots on this card. I think every fight is good at potential banger. Great, great card. For, um, as this fight, listen, Philly's been around for a while, and I, and I like him, and, I, and I've, I've backed him. And I've lost money on him, and I've won money on him, and it's just a little inconsistent. I love how real he keeps it, too. When he got caught by just, just some Brito's last fight I was like, I got caught. You know, everyone's like, oh, early stoppage. He's like, no, the guy clubbed me. I got caught. It is what it is. I like how real he keeps himself, and he's got really good skills. He matches with Bill Algio. and Algio is similar to Andre Feely. They're both pretty good on the feet. They both flow pretty well. They both can take it to the ground if they want. They're both very tall, long for this division. Algeo's six foot, Andre Philly 5'11", but Andre Philly's got long limbs, man. He really does. And I think he has better boxing and just more power, more ways to win. And not to mention, he's been in there with some killers. Algeo's a very good fighter, but I mean, beating Herbert Burns isn't like being in there with you know Yaya Rodriguez or Sadiq Yusuf, which is a very close fight. So, you know, you're looking at you're looking at Andre Philly with the with the record, and you're like, oh, this is jumping on me, and you're getting them at a great price of minus 120. You know Andre Philly struggles with the powerful and the dangerous guys. You know just, he got caught by Brito, who I know the MMA math guys out there. I know Aljo beat Brito. We're not going to do that here. This is real. Oh, no, we're not, not going to do it. No, we're not going to do it. Uh, I like Andre Philly. I love the number. I think he's probably going to get us a decision here because Aljo is very good. But everywhere he's good, I think uh, Philly's better. I think he's better at wrestling. I think he has more power. I think Aljo is a little bit quicker. But I like the over. I like decisions, and I like my, minus one twenty for Andre Philly.
0: CanFlo, Bill Algio figures to present his best version to date. He's won two in a row. That includes a uh, bonus winning stoppage of Herbert Burns less than two months ago. Your thoughts on this one? Uh,
1: you know, this is an interesting fight. I think it's really close. I think that um, th- they're kind of similar fighters in the way that they're built and, and the different skills that they have. Um, you know, for me, what what's worrisome for me is, you know, what has – the last few fights done to the confidence of Andre Feely? Has he given up on himself? Is he just collecting a paycheck at this stage of the game? Um, you know, I, I think that's a little worrisome for me, Bill Algio, of course, you know, has the opposite, got a lot of momentum coming into this fight. Now, um, it typically fights with a lot of confidence. He's not shy to, you know, throw a flashy technique or, or look for a finish. Um, I'm going to go the other way here. I like Bill. Uh, I like Bill like to get the win. Um, I, I think he's going to come with a lot of confidence. He's going to move forward. He's going to be aggressive. He's going to test Andre early, let him know he's in a fight. Uh, Andre will respond in kind, I'm sure. Uh, but I think it's going to be a close. I think Algio squeezes this one out. Love it.
0: I don't get to pick fights, but I always like when I can correctly predict in my own mind the side on which Ken Flo is going to fall.
1: Did by the way, it?
0: calling <laughs> on the Anakin Florian Podcast listenership, let's all get 209 tattoos. I think it's a great idea for our listeners <laughs> in support of Nate Diaz. You know you yeah. want one. I mean, the of the okay. real. You like cannabis or no? Like, go get a yeah. tattoo. Show them to us on social media, at Anakin Florian Pod. We'll see how many we can get by our taping uh, next Monday. All right. <laughs> I don't know if this is going to be the co-main event, but maybe a featured bout here. Gregory Rodriguez, minus 115, taking on the aforementioned Chidi and Kuani who is minus 105. Rodriguez coming off a bonus winning knockout of Julian Marquez back in June. Now he will try to keep it going, Brian, against the streaking Chidi and Kuani
6: Who do you have here? Man, I love this fight. And I, I'm so glad you played that file. That timber in Chidi's voice is just goddamn. <laughs> I mean, geez. <laughs> <Something, man. laughs> uh, this guy's a guy. I'm 0-2 on him, right? I picked against them both different ways. I, I don't know what the fuck I'm thinking. I love what he did against Dusko's last fight. Dusko took him down and cheaty. that's his thing. Take him down, submit him. Take him down, lay him. Take, he went for a guillotine, went for a darts and said, oh, if you're going to take me down, I can pro- I got some tricks. And they stood back up and then bang, bang, night, night. You know what I mean? That's what it was. And then you got Gregory Rodriguez, RoboCop. This guy, I can't believe I'm six years older than this guy because he looks every bit of 51. He's 30 years I, old. I, <laughs> I, 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 I looked up his age before yeah. the show. He's 30.
0: I know it's crazy, it's crazy, man. Like crazy, and we say that with all due respect, he right? No, with my right? Coaches,
6: right. I mean, I look twelve, so it's it's different. But I'm 36 now, and I'm like,
0: man, I don't know crazy. that I've ever called a Gregory Rodriguez fight. As such, I looked up his age, and
6: yeah, I, yeah,
0: I was about to be like, he's a man, he's 40, He's certainly not fucking 40. <laughs>
6: He, he looks every, and, but he's an action packed guy. He's, I mean, he has his jujitsu background, but he comes in, he bangs it out. You know what I mean? He's only lost one fight in the UFC so far. It was very, very close. Could have won either way, um, but he likes to stand up and bang. But the one thing I go back to on Robocop, and this is the one thing, and I've won some money on him before, but he got knocked out by Jordan Williams on the contender series. A Jordan right. Williams who is a small 85er who did not do so well in the UFC at 170. Got knocked out. He's been touched before in the UFC and he's kind of wobbled a little bit. He's obviously got great cardio, great heart, great, you know, great power. But if Chidi touches you, you're fucking dead. And I think Chidi's gonna dead him here. And uh I like the minus one of five. I love the pick'em fights. I always play him. Uh I'm not gonna go 0-3 picking against Chidi here. So give me Chidi uh, bang bang.
0: Headshot. Bang! Yeah. No, <laughs> uh Gregory Rodriguez, all I can really tell you about him, flow, having uh having not called any of his fights is that he does train his strength and conditioning at the Institute of human performance. And they literally don't have enough good things to say about Mm -hmm. his commitment, his energy and everything else. So uh, what do you have for us on this one?
1: Uh, This is one of them that you could just throw the dice. Okay. Because both are very capable of not only winning this fight, but winning the fight by finish. I I think they are very gifted fighters, excellent strikers. I think there's aspects of Enjo Kawani's game where I, I feel I, I don't know. He, he's maybe a little bit more complete on the feet, but Rodriguez maybe has certain weapons that I, I think are a little bit more dangerous. So I don't know. I, I mean, even as we're, as we're talking about this fight, um, I, I really don't know who was going to win that fight. I, I'm leaning towards Gregory Rodriguez here. I'm going to pick Gregory Rodriguez. I just think that he's coming into his own. Um, and I think it's more interesting. You know, I'll, I'll go the yeah. opposite way of being here. here. But but both guys are are so good and so dangerous. Wouldn't be surprised if we get an awesome fight or a mm-hmm. finish at some point. Um, but I think Gregory Rodriguez is someone to watch. A ton of potential in this guy. Love the way he moves. Love the way he put it together in his last fight. Um, so let's uh, let's go with Rodriguez. Let's see what happens.
0: Kenny, I know you can't bet on the PFL, and I'll say this slowly to give you time to think. Do you yeah. know if you are contractually prevented from betting on UFC fights? I don't think I am for UFC fights. No.
1: Okay. All right.
0: Doesn't sound yeah. like he would that have action
1: cool. on Rodriguez
0: yeah. and Enjo Kawani, though.
1: I, I would I would not touch that fight. Let no, me ask you this, no. Brian,
0: because when you yeah. guys filmed your show, real quick, so Kenny was pretty yeah. convicted on Nate Diaz. You liked yeah. Tony Ferguson, but maybe mm-hmm. not as much as he liked Nate. Mm-hmm. But I bet you still had action on Tony. Is that fair to say? I
6: didn't. I I Good. I really second guessed myself. I I went down there and there were some spots I really loved. And by the time I I allow, you know, I try to do bankroll management. I, I allow myself a certain number for each event. And once I got to the end of what I'm, what my spending, I'm like, I'm not going to reach for Tony,
4: yeah. you know,
6: because I don't have the best read on it. It came together kind of last minute. I really like yeah. Holland versus D Rod. That was my really strong lead. I thought Holland matched up well with Rodriguez. But once that all got shuffled around, I, I didn't touch any yeah. of those last three fights.
0: Yeah. I was proud of myself with the NFL. I was disciplined. I only played two one o'clock games yesterday, two straight wages. Hopefully, it
6: wasn't know. the Bengals, man. I took 10 years off my life. Jesus. Oh, sure,
0: man. Yeah. It's, uh, it's at least the time. Yeah, that was ugly. Yeah. Um, all right. Main event Corey Sanhagen, minus 190. This price has moved a, a, around a little bit. That's the number right now on DraftKings Sportsbook. Song Yadong is plus 160. Sanhagen, still a guy many believe can go on to become the UFC champion, but he has lost two in a row. Uh, to TJ Dillashaw in what was a close fight. And then he lost to Piotr Jan in a fight that was less close. That was for the interim Bantamweight title last October. So it's been about 11 months for sanhagen Bry. Uh, here he draws the powerful Song Yadong, who has fought 10 times in the UFC and only lost once because the record says he beat Cheeto. Uh, and mm-hmm. he has gone five <laughs> rounds before, but this will be his first UFC main event. Your thoughts?
6: Right. Yeah, I love this fight. I absolutely love it. And 135 is a killer's row. And if Marab's the boogeyman in this division, what is Sanhagen? Because the Sandman, I mean, that makes sense. Because he's only lost to three former or current champions. And the Dillashaw fight was close. He got dog walked by Aljo. We'll give him that. The patreon fight was competitive. This kid is good, explosive. I love the way he sets his all the strikes up. He walked Frank Jaeger right into that flying knee. It was absolutely gorgeous. Same thing he did with Rice with that spinning wheel kick. This kid's really good and flew on his feet. The big knock on him, take him down, and submit him. But Song Yudong can't really do that. Song Yidong is, is getting very good. Feels like he's been 21 forever, right? Like the youngest guy. Yeah. That, he's hey, like 21 yeah. forever. But he's very good, very powerful, bricked up. He can wrestle a little bit. He mixes it up well, but he, his main goal is explosive right-hand power, and he's put two guys out. That's what he likes to do. I, I just think um, – San Hagen's head and shoulders above him with the striking and the distant management. I get a little worried because Corey is so long for the vision that he does keep his head up a little bit and a big overhand right could end that. And Song is definitely powerful, but I'm not gonna waver or anything like that. I'm not gonna be one of these guys that tries to pick both sides. Nuts on the table. San Hagen, I'm not scared of the price. I looked at right before I hopped on here. DraftKings time at minus 200. Give me that. I love San Hagen. I love the over. Can be competitive. Song Yudong's Dong's not going anywhere neither. San Hagen, like the over, like a decision. Uh but give me Sanhagen for sure.
0: Yeah, Kenny, I was surprised to see minus one ninety next to Sanhagen's name when I woke up this morning. I say that with all due respect to Song Yudong. Your thoughts on uh the fight and the price?
1: Yeah, I, I think um, I think you're a little surprised as as I was I because you know you have Sanhagen with so much experience, both in five round fights against high level guys. Um, you know the the size disparity, right? I mean, he's what five eleven or something like that, one hundred thirty five. Mm-hmm. Saw one. So, I saw someone listing him at 5'90. He's definitely not 5'90. He's taller than no. that. <laughs> um, and Song Yadong's like 5'7. Okay. Just that alone. Song Yadong needs to be able to cut that distance, land that big shot. With San Hagen's footwork, I think it's he's gonna be missing a lot. And and San Hagen's just so slick. He's got so many weapons. He's working a lot on his grappling skills as well. I know he's been spending time with with, with the wizard Ryan Hall, um, you know, oh, showing nice. up that part of his game, you know. So yep. Uh, he, he's a true professional. He's training all the time, always comes in shape, very motivated um, and been on the wrong end on some, of, of some close decisions. I like Hagen here uh, as well. Um, I think it's going to be a phenomenal fight and a uh, one that's going to get him back on track and he's going to remind people why he's one of the best in the
0: world. Yeah. Well, put. Yeah. when you have size and length and you know how to use it, you know, Joe Silva used to bemoan the fact that Stefan Struve never developed a great mixed martial arts jab at seven feet tall, you know? And when you look at matchups historically, like Robert Whitaker versus Israel Adesanya, like the whole handicap begins with the length, the mm-hmm. whole handicap for dc john jones it's like all right well we're we're a foot shorter than this guy for starters you know so um yeah all right we'll see how it goes in the main event uh if you want more from brian petrie check out his mma takes podcast and on social media he is at brian petrie mma uh who do you who do your Bengals have in week
6: two cowboys that's out so yeah i don't bet on the Bengals. i'm like you john i don't bet on my teams i don't bet against them but i don't bet on them but i might load up because i think we're i think the Bengals are pissed off right now and i think uh we can't lose to a guy named Cooper Rush because that's who their backup is. We can't just lose to same. a guy named Cooper Rush.
0: Yeah. so it Sounds like he was born a lot later in the 1976 <laughs> Cooper Rush. <laughs> that's right.
6: Oh, that's all right, right. Brian. We will talk to you in two
0: weeks uh, in advance yeah. of uh, Mackenzie Dern and Jan Shounan, But enjoy the bye week. We'll talk to you soon, brother,
6: man. Awesome, boys. I'll see you. Have a good day.
0: See you, dude. There he is. Brian Petrie with us here on the Anakin Florian podcast. All right. It is time for the Marrow Seconds. Cody is 0 and one gave you the Carolina Panthers, minus two and a half at home. They lose outright to the Cleveland Browns. I would imagine your NFL Week 2 will be part of the world-famous Marrow Seconds today. Well, of
5: course. And, I mean, Nate Diaz did in his post-fight say he's coming for all the other sports. So, I heard that he's in talks right now to become the Cowboys quarterback at Week 2. So, Nate Diaz already making moves out
0: there in the sports <laughs> world. So, uh... That's thub. So, <laughs> so, what do you have for us? uh, on uh So, so on I
5: was football. trying to actually find the The crypto bonus out of UFC 279 to see if the leech got a crypto bonus, but they're not out
0: yet. So, if I did not voice that, so I don't even know if it existed for that show.
5: Ah, interesting, interesting. Well, uh, so a couple of news and notes there on UFC 279. The bonuses were Diaz, Aldana, Walker, and Almeida. So, so Johnny Walker,
0: congratulations! Correct.
5: Johnny Walker blue, Johnny Walker blue. Maybe he gets enough bonuses, he gets the Johnny Walker black.
0: Oh, we always talk about yeah. We always talk about nicknames being you know in front of the name you know like the Iron Long Paul Felder or Kenny Ken Flow. Johnny Florian Walker Blue
1: is at the top. That's the most expensive. Is John Blue Walker. the top? I thought I Black was I the said, top. Come I think I said, "Come on, man."
0: I thought I said, "Come Blue on, on, man." Broadcast. Johnny
1: Walker Blue. You did. I thought I said, you did.
0: All right, I said Johnny Walker. Blue. I'm the one Blue, that made I had the mistake. It it's
5: not you, John. It's me. Johnny Walker Blue that is
1: that's the that's the finest. That's yeah. the all their most rare whiskeys that they mix together.
5: I should know because there's an entourage quote where uh, I think it's the seventh or eighth season. They're like, oh, Johnny, why don't you try some tequila? He's like, I don't drink tequila. I drink Johnny Walker blue because I'm not a pseudo man like you.
1: Kenny, (laughs) are you a scotch guy? Um, You know what? I I had uh, every once in a while, every once in a while. I'll definitely drink Johnny Walker blue and I may have a a fresh bottle in my.
0: Yeah, he does. See, he's he knows like sophisticated shit. (laughs) You know? Well, in I my hate wine scotch. cellar. I don't like scotch. I don't like cigars unless I'm hollowing them out and putting something else in them. No, um,
5: what uh, what, you got you go that route. You go that route instead of the wraps. This is exact wraps. I mean, I, 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 the bloods. Yeah. No, I know, but a gutted out Dutch owl sucks. Like anybody, anybody that's ever like doing the leaf route, they're like, oh, put this around the water bottle. We could put the leaf back on. You end up with like terrible wet. This is exactly why people turn into this program. Yeah, I'm not trying to, <laughs> yeah.
0: to reveal my preferred paper in the middle of a uh, contract. Yeah. What do, you have, uh, what do you have for us? Um,
5: what so it's just some notes here from uh, Tristan Critchfield's Sure Dog by the Numbers article. Diaz tied for fourth most subs in UFC history with that finish. Uh, his six from the bottom surpasses Paul Krieg as the number one submissions from the bottom in the you ever just in went, UFC history. In, in so. your
0: desire to pronounce Paul Craig correctly, you just went Krieg. Yeah. I mean, I love you. I Paul love you. Krieg, the fucking Scots, mate. <laughs> oh, I don't think they say mate. Uh,
5: <laughs> uh, yeah, well, what else
0: do you got, my man?
5: Long live the fucking queen, huh?
0: Fucking <laughs> oh, guests. I, I want to say something about that, too, because um, we were not at all trying to make light of the fact that uh, the crowd booed the queen when we showed her on broadcast i had no idea that that happened so when somebody said it i i did laugh out loud on the broadcast because i i didn't know that they booed the queen and it was sort of like man are these people really going to do that so um certainly um you know our condolences and our respect on that front but go ahead Cody.
5: hey us world war champs two times baby
0: <laughs> <laughs> um tony
5: (laughs) ferguson was last subs in july 2009 that's 4712 days between submission losses for tony ferguson wow so pretty interesting stuff there yeah um leech versus d-rod of the 23 submitted media cards only two had d-rod winning uh our boy sean sheehan had a 29 28 for leech uh actually only 8.2 percent of the 565 submitted cards had uh d-rod winning in any sort of way wow I was actually I, I was watching that fight. I got up to take a piss. I came back. I saw D'Rad talk. D'Rad talking. I was like, "Oh, they so they interviewed the winner and loser because they both stepped up. Like, great. Nope, D'Rad wow. ended up winning the how fight. So how about that? Um, now so that that was just kind of the odds and ends of UFC 279. Uh, Cody's covers as everybody knows. You want to fade my my covers 0-1 going into week two. I like the Browns minus three and a half against the Jets. Uh, the Jets were inept. The Browns are one and zero against the spread on the season. They're four and zero against the spread or four and one against the spread. Last five September games uh, favorites in this matchup are 10 and one against the spread Browns versus Jets. Um, the Jets were fifth in pass yards, but had no TDs. So I just think they're inept and they haven't covered in week two in five years. So some data going into week two there. And, you know, you love a good Jets fade, but uh, I did think it was interesting, John, Give me a guess. Do you think the Pats are favored going into week two against the Steelers or no?
0: No, definitely not. Mac Jones has a back injury. I wouldn't be surprised if it's off the board right now. Uh, no, they're favored. Uh, the Where's Patriots the game, are,
5: Gillette? Uh, in Pittsburgh. And the Pats are minus Ooh. one and a half.
0: If you'll excuse me, I need to go place a wager on that Pittsburgh
5: Steelers. <laughs> so I was thinking as well. I thought the Steelers were really good. I was shocked to see that line there. So uh, Cody covers week two. We'll, we'll get Ray's pick sometime offline.
0: All right, we'll see if Cody can uh, bounce back a little bit. Um, by the way, I would also like to announce at this time I'm doing a, an NFL betting show with my twin brother. It's called Annex Squared. You can get it uh, on the Hammer betting network and uh we make five picks against the spread against each other head to head and uh some other nfl stuff in there as well but Kempflow knows i've been doing the super contest for like seven or eight years right pay a thousand bucks five games against the spread and i can tell you last night i went to bed for the first time in eight years doing the super contest tied for first place because we're four and oh out of the shoot broncos minus six and a half tonight those five and ohs are hard to come by four and oh hell yeah dude super contest in 2022 so we'll see how it goes. Let's go. Don't forget Kenny Florian, martial arts.com for all of your jujitsu essentials. Anna Florian Podcast.com is our merchandise website. Remember the show with Bala Muhammad and Jason Anna coming up this Thursday night. One more sleep merch is at millions.co. The Abu Dhabi designs should drop this week. Um, and I want to thank our guests as well Dean Thomas, Aaron Bronstetter, Ray Longo all for joining us today and of course our guy Brian Petrie uh, on the back end. This show has been produced uh, by Cody Merrow and we can assure you we'll be back in a week's time to recap Corey Sandhagen and Song Yedong, um today's show in memory uh, of the late great Elias Theodoro. Thank you all for listening and watching. We'll talk to you next week. you you later.